This is a test of the Bounty Park Alert System. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of this season's Boundary Park Alert System with me, Matt Dean, and Andy Halliwell. Morning, Andy. Morning, Matthew. Right. We're going to get stuck into this straight from the off. First of all, who's our uh, guest this week? Our guest this week, three questions that we ask our guests when we remember. (laughs) (laughs) I've done it the last couple of weeks. Uh, Just as a quick reminder, first game and favourite memory, uh, or first first game and favourite player, favourite Latics-related memory, surprising facts about yourself. First game was on a, a Monday night versus Huddersfield in 1987. That's aging him. (laughs) <laughs> same uh, same generation as uh, you and I, Matt. Uh, favourite player was Andy Barlow. Favourite memory was the second goal that we scored against Arsenal in the 89-90 Littles Cup by Nick Henry. Uh-huh. Uh, surprising facts about himself, he was, he was a keen cricketer and he played against, so he must have been pretty good, uh, the likes of Freddie Flintoff, Hansi Cronier uh, and Craig Fleming even. And I guess the other thing to add is um, he's a former non-exec director of Oldham Athletics. So welcome to Richard Bowden. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Morning, Richard. It's taken us a while to get you on this podcast, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been a bit stop-start, hasn't it? Yeah, but fine, yeah. Oh, God. come to those who wait. Exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, apart from um, apart from that, it's getting a win away from home. <laughs> which is a good thing that we're all waiting for but we didn't get yesterday um there is a there is a timely um obviously the, we, there's lots and lots of things we can ask you and talk to you about but you do live you live in solihull do you? is that right yeah I do. And, um yeah my son plays for solihull academy the um the junior team is in the under 16 team at the moment so Despite my best efforts, he's a Solihull, well, he's a Villa fan mainly, but he was in the Solihull end yesterday and I was in the Oldham end, so it was a split family. (laughs) Right, well, go on then. Me me and Andy weren't there, Uh, me or Andy wasn't there yesterday, so tell us all about it. Yeah, it was was a difficult one. I really felt at half-time that we'd sort of weathered the storm and we were going to come out second half and uh, give it a good go. And it just, we just fell apart second half. It was just the, the midfield was overrun. Um, the two good goals, really good goals, fast, incisive play from Solihull. And, you know, 2-0 down before you know it. And then with 20 minutes to go, 15, 20 minutes, we started applying a bit of pressure. Obviously got pretty lucky goal from a corner. Um, and should have equalised with the last, last kick of the game or last head of the game. So could have sneaked a two-all draw. But my takeaway was that we're just too weak in midfield. We were overrunning in midfield, really. Um, and once Solihull got the ball and started moving it quickly, they they tore us apart a little bit in that in that area. There's not a new. It's not a new uh, tale this season, is it? Being told that we've been overrunning midfield. And it's hard to pinpoint, but there was just too much of a gap either between defence and midfield or attack and midfield and. The uh, Solihull midfielders were getting too much space and ability to turn, run with the ball and pop it off. And, and you, we just couldn't stop them wave after wave of attack. And they could have gone three or four nil up in that first 20 minutes of the second half. I think there was a, there was a lot of um, interpretation of um, what Unsworth said, Andy, uh, in his interview. Have you listened to it? Do you know what? It's the first week I haven't bothered. Well, what he said was he said that he made a comment of um, the first go- the, the first goal killed us, and a lot a lot of people have sort of jumped on that as well. You, the game's not over when it's one nil. I, I mean, obviously they scored the second goal very quickly after that, didn't they, uh, Richard? But yeah, the way what I took that to mean is that the the the, the team folds when that goal goes in, when the goal goes behind. It's 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 not that the game is over. It's just that the attitude in the players' minds switches into, you know, from being in, like you said, uh, Richard, potentially, you know, being in the game and, and, and going into that second half with a, with the chance of, of like, maybe of weathered the storm can go, in, you know, and you get something from it. But once that goal goes in, the mentality of the team 
collapses. And I think that I think that's what he meant. But what is that? Is I mean, it sounds clearly with <laughs> the speed at which they got the second that 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 is the case, Richard. Yeah, a lot of people around me that was the consensus. You know, you hear people like everyone was saying, look, their heads have gone down straight away. Uh, they looked demoralized after the first goal, and certainly after the second goal, it took a good 15 20 minutes. And, and the feeling in the crowd was very much that well, we're hanging on for to hope not to get beaten three or four here rather than get back into it, you know. So it comes back round to this thing. I mean, you know, one of the things we can talk about is the is the interview that we did with with Unsworth. What uh, we can talk about people's reactions to that. We can talk about what people made of that. What what, what you guys made of it if you listen to it. Um, but obviously, Andy, we've we've spoken a lot about. Um, culture mentality it's actually quite good to have richard on because we can we can go back a, a step further and ask richard a bit more a bit a bit later on about you know what the attitude and the not necessarily the attitude but the environment the culture was like while you were there as a as a director but we, we've we're in that phase aren't we andy where we've although we've got the new manager in um, the culture is one of fear um and it's it's quite desperate. <laughs> we're in a we're in a we're in a very difficult position right now. Yeah, there's there's no denying it, um, and it's very difficult to say. Uh, it's very difficult to say whether David Unsworth will or won't be a success. Some people have already made their mind up that he isn't. He's had however many games. He's only won one. His record is absolutely dire. Mm. He's, He's got a lot of new players and he's not making them gel. He's not getting anything better out of the ones that he's already already got that Sheridan had before. I just think that firing another manager now and starting again is not going to be the answer. Um, I, I don't think that's going to... I don't think a new manager is going to come in and all of a sudden we're going to start winning a load of games. It, it, it is to do with the, the culture that persists within, within the business. It is to do with... Um, some of the players that we have, like, like I don't know, I, I've, I was chatting to a couple of people who are newer at the game yesterday, and they were saying Dan Gardner was absolutely bobbing yesterday. And listen to what Richard said in the midfield, getting overrun. Is has Dan Gardner's legs completely gone? Is he just has he been another yet another really bad signing that he needs replacing? I, I don't. I'm I'm not the head coach. I'm not a professional um, football manager. So that's going to have to be up to um, Unsworth and his coaching staff to work out. But. My view is that firing him is is not going to is not going to change anything dramatically, and so we're invested in him within, in a three year contract. The the board have backed him and allowed him to sign a lot of players. Susan Geldard last night was saying that we've gone back in for Nuttall and um, Kurt Willoughby, who's at Chester, former York FC United striker. So that's two more strikers. It does seem like we need midfielders, mind. Um, to <laughs> yeah. Try. Um- just you see uh, uh, Chapman at, um, at Maidstone looked looked really good on the left side of midfield. I thought sort of tucking in tucking in 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 a four three three in a forward formation, then and then dropping back into the wide of a five in a four five one. He looked really good. He looked low better, loads better than Tollett <coughs> because he, he could defend and head as well as attack. So uh, uh, yesterday he brought Tollett back in, didn't he? And then dropped Chapman, presumably, into one of the two that sit in front of the defence. So took Maynard out. So he's tinkered a bit with it. I, I just think that he, he's got he's got all the qualifications and coaching badges. He's got all of the modern speak. <laughs> he's setting the team up in that modern way that I don't necessarily like. I, I'd rather we played with proper wingers myself, but then I'm a bit of a dinosaur. He he He'll set us up in that manner. I think if we... If we stick with him, it will turn. You can just see firing him, right? Costing us a load of money, getting in some journeyman law league manager who'll sign for the cloggers, right? And we'll, we'll, we might do slightly better, but the long-term trajectory will be worse. Unsworth will leave, uh, be out of work for six, nine months, get a job, I'm going to make it up at Grimsby, uh, and then fire Grimsby up to the championship in three seasons, <laughs> then get a job in the Premier League. And we'll be here scratching our nuts in in Division Five, going, "Why did we get rid of him? He was he would have been a great manager." That's <laughs> that's just what it feels like will happen. So, I, I'm I'm still of the view that 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 we should back him, and and that things will turn over the course of time. 
And you know, I, I might look a, I might look a silly idiot at some stage in the future when if I'm proved wrong. But equally, I might be grabbing some people by the chops when I see them at away games, and going, "See, I told you he'd come good." <laughs> there, yeah. there, there is there is conversation going about. I mean, Twitter's been doing my head in this weekend, um, as 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 it does uh, most of the time. But like you know, the, the, there is a conversation about people saying that well, there wasn't a Unsworth was is the board's man. Yeah, they wanted him. They didn't interview all the managers, and they brought him in. Uh, you could argue that if it doesn't work, they made a rod for their own back in that process. But you could also say, well, they, they obviously had a, a very clear belief, and they felt that this was the guy. Uh, what do you make of it, Richard? From maybe from the point of view of somebody who is sat on a board, whether <laughs> you can tell us how much influence you had on that board uh, a, a little bit further <laughs> in this conversation. But what what do you make of 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 the appointment and you know basically in terms of what Andy said and and some of the reaction and knee jerk reaction? Is it a knee jerk reaction to for fans to want to to sack the manager? But what's your feelings on all these things? Yeah, it certainly feels knee jerk. I think you've got to trust the process a little bit and from i'm not close to it now but it feels like as you say the right process has been gone through you get the right man in with the right background and the right attitude and you know you said my first game aged me but it was that period where joe royal was settling in and he had a good five seasons before he got us going and i know people don't get that time anymore you know football's changed it's moved on but you know, as Andy says, you can't sign all these players and then not allow him to try and make a team of them. I think the only thing I would say is that we're still relying too much on people who are coming in on loan in key positions. Um, and if you look at Solihull as an example, because I've been close to it, because I live there, the players who killed us yesterday, Sabara, Osborne, Dallas... They've been in their side for years now. They build their team around them. You know, we haven't got those players in midfield and attack who we're going to say, right, they're 22, 23, 24. These are going to be in our side for the next few years. We'll build the team around them. We're relying on lone players to come into key positions and make a difference. No, no, I agree. I think that as Andy was talking about and you were talking earlier, I was thinking, oh, City Peck and Chapman, being brought in young lads um, on loan into the centre of midfield that, you know, like Andy, you're saying about signing strikers. Yeah, we need more goals, but if, if we don't boss the midfield, we're not going to get the goals, are we? It's, it, that's how it works. Like somebody in the midfield has to be winning the ball and giving it to the right attacking players and, and, and building from midfield. So we, one of our next key signings has to be one or two solid midfield players. And like you said, they have to, they have to be players that can... Either are, this is the thing, isn't it? Signing players who are at their peak, who are 26, 27, there's a lot of competition for those kind of players, yeah. isn't there? So, yeah. uh, you know, and we talk about budgets, we talk about the size of the squad. You know, people are saying we've got a massive squad. If we had too few players, people are mourning that we didn't have enough players. Now people are mourning that we have too many players. You know, people, again, for me, it's mindset. People are panicking. Um, I think that there are certain people within the fan base that are seem to think that our job now as the trust is to vilify and 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 pressure and condemn the board it's, that's not what it is is that it's our job to put pressure on them to sack david unsworth the trust board that's not our job first of all to put pressure on them on on the club board to sack the manager it's not the trust's job to be involved in <laughs> who manages the football club and who plays for the, the players that's the manager's job on the board's job so, first of all, I want to very, very clearly to the people who have been saying things like this on Twitter, right? And that may or may not include current board members. That is not our job, right? The board of the football club will decide who the manager is. And if, like when you were our director, Richard, and with Corny, it gets to the point where people are sack, they're sacking managers every two minutes and it's to the detriment of the football club, then, okay, it's time for us to step in. Is it... The new board have been in situ for four months and, you know, they, what was bringing Unsworth in over Sheridan to the detriment of the football club, it's too early to say. There was people, the same people that I'm talking about now, were putting pressure on the board to sack Sheridan. They got rid of Sheridan. They got Unsworth in. And now what? 15 games later, they're saying the same thing again. It's pissing me off. Grow up and listen and, and, and look at the bigger picture of what's going on here. People are doing their best at the football club. As a trust, we're doing our best. 
the manager's doing his best, the players are doing their best. It's easy to, to, to go to a football match, shout and scream, and, and call for this and call for that when you've got zero responsibility for it yourself. And 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 I, I'm getting really annoyed. And anyone who wants to take me on about it, you know what I look like, you know where I am, phone up the phone up the phone in on a Wednesday night, let's have it out, give me a ring, call, message me on Twitter, whatever. But like falling into the same trap of sacking managers, having two men, you know, the, our third manager in four months. What's what, what does that say? Like there has to be some kind of patience, and and, and you've got to back him. And like you said, yeah, we've got to back him with, with midfield players. That's got to be next on the agenda. But like, I just do not understand this mentality. These were no. all the things that these were all the things that we used to complain about before, which is. Um, you know, trigger happy with managers, not giving them a chance to settle in. Um, as Richard pointed out, the sort of uh, revolving door of loanees as well was always something. You know, let, let's try and build a squad of players largely that, that are contracted to us, with with a long, medium to long term plan in place, where you support the, the the academy and you bring in health and fitness coaches and psychologists and all that. They're doing it all. They're doing everything that we've asked for over the last two years. Everything. Like this, the, yeah. the, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not just doing bits of it. They're doing all of it. They've got a reserve team in. That they've. The, the, they've got a proper scouting structure in. It, like it, you couldn't ask for more. They're doing everything that the the, the Lemsergans and Corny prior to them didn't do. So I, I just don't see the point in continually hiring and firing managers. You've got to give the head coach the opportunity to coach the team. Um, and and it and I'm absolutely convinced that it will improve, and it will improve with Unsworth. It's just gonna it's just gonna be painful for a while. I've been saying it's painful for a while. These two home games coming up against Torquay and Gateshead are going to be the most telling games, I think, because he's gonna have to get four six points out of those two games, and um, because we're at home against teams that are around us. He's gonna. He's gonna really. He's gonna have to get them going for those games, and that and that should tell us a bit more about about where we're at. Um, you know, an away game at Solihull and Boreham Woods away on Tuesday, which I'll be going to. I'm not expecting a great deal from either, but he, he's he's gonna have to start soon because we'll get. We're already getting caught adrift. I know we've got games in hand, but that doesn't matter because we don't particularly win many games at the minute. But I think it will turn. We've just got to give him time and not make the. You know the environment as toxic as it as it has been in the past by getting on the players' backs instantly from the terraces. What was that like yesterday, Richard? What what was the atmosphere like on the terraces? Uh, yeah, it turned unfortunately, and I think that can't help the players. So they started singing John Sheridan's name, and you know we could do with John Sheridan, but not as a manager. But that type of player in midfield is what we need. Yeah. But um, yeah, it didn't help, did it? To well, it didn't help to start singing. You know. Johnny Sheridan's blue and white army, and uh, you know, and then at the end of the game, lots of booze, players trying to come over and clap, and they don't want to come near the fans because you know they can tell the atmosphere is not good, and so they'll go into the next game then a little bit on edge, won't they? And you know, so now Unsworth has got a job to pick them back up again and get them ready for the next match, and you know, I think you're spot on. We've got to, as a fan base, just try and see this out. There was lots of talk at the start of the season about how hard the National League was. And I don't think we really understood it. And people who knew the National League kept saying, it's going to be tough. It's going to, yeah. you know, it's not far below League Two. League Two players are going to struggle here. You know, there's some really good teams, there's some really good players. And I think most people thought, oh, we might have a tough first few games, but we'll. We'll start. We'll start winning after that, you know. And I think it's just been a shock to everyone's system. Yeah, well, look, we've been we've been calling for unity amongst the fan base for a long time. That's one of our key objectives, you know. Like as as the supporters trust, we've we've had to we've had to, you know, work really hard to say that together we're we're much stronger uh, than we are divided. And you know, the football club needs its supporters to be. It, it needs its supporters first and foremost, and we've seen that. And 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 for us to start falling apart at the first signs of 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 of, of you know panic, 
it's it's part of the culture, the football, the, the, the attitude of the fans, the behaviour of the fans is part of the culture of the football club. And and we can we can either be part of the problem or part of the solution. And 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 we all disagree, you know, we all have our own opinions on this, but you know, I've, we've mentioned it on this podcast a number of times. If you're not happy by the performance at the end of the game, turn around and walk out, leave early. You know, a silent away end is at the end of a game is as more, is as powerful as a booing away end, but it doesn't have the negative connotations. It doesn't, you know, like I understand that people say, well, you don't go to every away game. Well, that's not a point. There's this thing about who's more passionate than, than who, and I'm a more passionate supporter than you. Uh, shut up. You know, that's bullshit for starters, right? We used to have this with the realistic, real fans, blah, blah, blah. We're all fans. We're all fans in our own way. We all want the best for the football club, right? But we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing to to, to contribute towards that? And if, and, if, and if it's by slagging people off on social media, if it's by shouting and screaming and, and being aggressive at a football match, is that really contributing towards the, the, the regeneration of the football club? If, you know, people have said about the interview that I did with Vonzo, we had a laugh, right? He's a nice guy, right? I could have turned up, me and Dave could have turned up with the first interview we've had with a head coach, right, with a manager in the two, two, over two years, right, two and a half years that we've been doing this podcast. Could have turned up for the first interview with him in the football club and then just grilled him. And, and, and called him out and, and asked him loads of, that wouldn't have made the slightest bit of difference. All it would have done is made us look like arseholes in front of him and, and not wanting to do it again. We have to build a relationship with the manager. We have to build a relationship with the with the CEO. When Andy, when 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 Darren Roll came on the podcast, we could have like, you know, picked holes in everything and found all the things that we weren't happy about at the football club um, and, 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 and made any future dialogue more and more difficult. There is a period of diplomacy and working together and we have to understand and empathise what is going on with each other. We have to build something. and We don't build something by taking pot shots at each other at the first available opportunity and that's what's happening. And I will stand up and back um, how I go about things, how we go about things as a podcast, how we go about things as a, as a supporters foundation. Stand by it because we put some thought into it. We don't just react like... Um, mm. purely from emotion and that doesn't make us any less passionate than anybody else but there's a certain amount of maturity that is required to be in these positions and I'm trying to demonstrate it and I will talk about it as passionately as you like face to face in private in a private conversation but when I'm having a conversation with a board member when I'm having a conversation with a manager there has to be a certain amount of respect that goes into it and I expect that respect from within our own trust board I expect that respect from people that are talking to me that I give to them and, and, and vice versa. And that's the way it has to work. And if you're going to be a gobshite and you're going to mouth off, then I'm afraid if you, you're only going to get the same back. So first of all, look at your own behavior, look at your own, what you say and how you conduct yourself. I'm not talking to you too, by the way. I'm talking to anybody in general. <laughs> I'm talking to people in general before you start criticizing other people, Right. Have a look in the mirror first and be accountable for what you say and what you do before you start picking those other people. It's very easy to be a keyboard warrior. Very, very easy. Most of the keyboard warriors that I've stood up to face to face and said, right, go on, say what you want to say on, on, on social media to me face, I've shit out. And that's that's a fact, right? So let's all be grown up because when you sat in a room with someone, you treat them with respect. And a respect that you that you might be, you know, big and hard on social media, giving it this, giving it that. But when you sit in a room with someone in a certain capacity, you have to behave in a certain way, right? And we've got to raise the standards at this football club, and that is happening. If you go behind the scenes, the standards are being raised. The, the standards were very low. The standards at the trust were very low because we had a dickhead running it for a long time. The standards at the law were the club were very low because said dickhead and other dickheads running it for a long time, right? We have to move beyond that. We have to move beyond that and 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 deal with things in the right way. And I'm having a rant because it, it, we've had all kinds of to and fro's on WhatsApp this weekend. We've had all this on social media. What people are shouting and screaming is achieving nothing. So it, I'm somebody who's in a position where I'm trying to make things different and do things differently. People look at the trust and say, 
that it's just that, you know, though they don't listen to the trust anymore, what's the point? Well, we're trying to build a trust that gets listened to. We're trying to build a supporters trust that has more clout. We've become a CBS. We want to attract finance. We want to attract investment. We want to do things more professionally. We will get to that point where we have more influence in the football club by conducting ourselves in the right way from this point forward and building a relationship with the football club that facilitates that going forward and not creating the divide that we had in the past, Richard, which you will have had some experience of, which we can come on to now, where you've got a board of directors at the football club that do not trust the, the supporters' foundation and see them as, as, as potential trouble causers and see when actually we're all supposed to be on exactly the same page and that's what we're trying to now build going forward. We've got a, a trust that wants to contribute towards the success of the football club and a board that wants to contribute towards the success and a supporter base that's supposed to want to contribute towards that success. So if you're not contributing towards that, then you're part of the problem. I've now finished my rant, and Richard, I invite you. <laughs> I invite you into the conversation. <laughs> no, I, I, a lot of that I agree agree with wholeheartedly. Um, you, you know, you're right that what happened in the previous uh, regime, and when I was on the board of directors, I was one of the few voices who was trying to explain that it's not the fans versus us. Um, but that's unfortunately how the mindset ended up and that then became it was just attritional it was just well we're not going to listen to them you know it's my show I'm going to I'm going to take a decision this is the way we do things why should we communicate because you know uh, they don't listen anyway they're just against us it's a battle Um, it really feels like that's changing, you know. It's we we does feel like there's a good board of directors in place. It, everything you said earlier, Andy, around you know things that have been put in place, Steve Thompson, the recruitment, and I think that's the area we're going to have to focus on now. I think you know it's the recruitment of the players and the structure of that recruitment because I think the biggest thing, if you strip everything away from the previous regime, the one thing. I kept talking about and a few others to be fair, but we know we were never able to solve and and we all know why um, is that there was just a small network of agents that provided all the players. And hopefully we're breaking that. Now we're able to cast our net wider. We're able to properly scout players, look for talent for the future, understand what the model is. And maybe what we need to hear is, what that plan is for the team. So we've heard the plan about, you know, the club and the sponsors and how things, but how are we going to build the team? And that might help David to David Unsworth to, to fend off this terrible period at the moment, because all people are seeing is defeat after defeat. And maybe we need to hear the plan of how we're going to get a more stable team in and how we're going to build for the future. Definitely. And and we had, so when we interviewed Darren Royal, we had 50 questions written down, Matt and I, in, in a structured fashion that, that we could have asked any one of those 50. <clears throat> but of course, you set off on a, on a direction of a couple of you, you want to start with. And I think we got through 15 in the first hour and a half worth of conversation. Because obviously, when you're chatting, you ask a question, and maybe then there's a couple of follow up conversations you have on, on that particular question before we move on to another one. So in, in theory, we've got through uh, just under one third of the questions that, that we'd like to ask in that first interview. So we've got at least two more interviews that we could do just to get through those set of questions. By the time we get those interviews done, there'll be another 15 that we want to ask. <laughs> so you can see how the, the, this dialogue needs to be consistent, open dialogue. The club appear to be very keen to do that with us because they recognise us as, as a channel to communicate with supporters, that we've got a, you know, a significant sort of voice in, in that arena. And, and fan media is something which is prevalent across most sports and sporting clubs now, isn't it, really? So they're embracing that, which is everything that the previous regime didn't. <laughs> you know, so again, they're, they're doing the right thing. And and David Unsworth's given up some of his time to talk to, to Matt and, and uh, Dave as well. So we, we need to, there's going to be lots of opportunities to continue to ask questions over the course of time. And once a bit of rapport and trust has been built up between any relationship, whether that's any business or personal relationship, once you get to know somebody and you've spoken to them a few times, you can judge uh, how they're going to react and, and what they're like in a certain situation. I'm sure we'll be able to ask 
what might be deemed, you know, slightly harder questions, and we we might get slightly more open answers to those. So it's, it's going to take some time to build. But I thought that I thought I thought the first two interviews that that we've done. I mean, I'm a biased, so maybe Richard, if you've listened to him, you might be the best place to to make judgment on those. But I thought the interviews that, that have been done with Darren and and David were 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 really great starts in that in that dialogue. There were some questions that were asked. We did ask some questions in there that that were, you know, weren't they weren't easy passes. Everyone. Um, so it, yeah, I think people have just got to be patient with the fact it's going to take time. To, to, to build a squad of players. You know, if you think about David Unsworth as a, as a coach, as a top qualified coach, if you gave him a whole year to recruit exactly the players he wanted, I'm sure the team that he would put out would, would be decent. But he's, he, can't, he hasn't got all the players he wanted, has he? I, I even think sometimes the players that were signing because we're sort of struggling and, and panicking a little bit to try and get out of the situation in, some of the players were signing, he probably wouldn't want them either. <laughs> because... If he had a real choice of who he would sign, he'd sign a whole host of different players, but he hasn't got that um, luxury at the minute. So it's going to take some time, a year or two, for things to wash through. I, I, I said, oh, I, my view all along was that this season was going to be pretty tough. It, it's, it's tougher than I thought it was going to be myself at the minute. But it's going to take us two, three years to get going. And when we get going, I, I fancy that we'll be unstoppable for a bit. So we'll start to go through the leagues. I, I can see us running, once we get... Once we're competing at the very top end of this, which will take us at least two, three years, I think. Once we got get back into the football league, I reckon we'll go through League Two in no time. I reckon we'll find ourselves in League One, and you know that, that's how I can feel that the my, you know my gut feel for the for the whole situation. By by the time that three to five years has elapsed, when the infrastructure is better, when the recruitment has been better, when the scouting has been over a longer period of time, when the coaching is embedded, when the when the reserve team contributes, when the youth system's knocking out, like when it all gets going, it'll click. It, it's just not going to do it in a matter of weeks or months. We need the fan base, Andy, to to have patience with that, though, and be supportive of that because, you know, you, straight away you always get, well, I mean, obviously it's football. The football's hard to watch sometimes. It's not enjoyable. It's cold. You know, uh, I'm, I'm looking at away grounds and saying, does it have a roof? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, the biggest scandal yesterday. Biggest scandal yesterday. They ran out of food after ten minutes. So that ten that minutes. No, that's not yeah. good. That's not good. I think people under appetite the uh, the appetite underestimate the appetite of all the fans. I think when we arrive at places, but yeah, but like you know, it's it, it's it's not easy to support all the athletic, uh, and it's not getting any easier any quicker. But we have to, you know, if the club needs out, if the club is going to move forward, uh, move up, not forward, upwards and forwards. It needs money, and that needs us as its supporters to to contribute that money, and 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 to say, oh, well, I'm going to contribute at the beginning when I think when I've got some optimism, and then mm, you know, well, I'm not going now. You, you you know, if you don't go to the games, fair enough, but you, the club needs your money in other ways, if if possible. So we've got to back the club, and we've got to back what's going on, um, because we've all seen the potential. Um, at the beginning of the season and all the and all the rest of it. When it comes to things like interviews and all that, I think people need to understand as well that, that obviously I'm I never first of all I didn't want to be on the board of OASF. Right, it was never my intention. I only got on the board of OASF because through doing the podcast and all that. But I, I'm I'm on the podcast and I'm on the board. That's just the way it is, right? Sometimes I wish I wasn't doing neither because it's a pain in the ass a lot of the time, right? It's hard work. I don't get paid for either of them, uh, and you get shit when people say there's oh, well, why is the fucking clanging and banging in the background? Fuck off. There was. I'm disappointed, right? I'm disappointed. If that's if that's the one thing you've decided to say about the podcast over the last two years, then I frankly don't need to hear your opinion. I'm not interested, right? But so so you get all that, and that's part of the gig. You have to put up with it. But when when we're talking to people on the podcast and when we're doing things in public, you know that you can only ask certain questions. You know you're not going to get answers. Otherwise, when I when we have a meeting with OASF and we talk to the club, there will be things that are said that are off the record that cannot re- be repeated. And you can ask them in that environment because it's the, it's the right environment. It's, it's, a, it's a professional meeting. There's an understanding that there's discretion and non-disclosure and that you can talk about these things. So there is a difference between people who expect everything to be out in the open are crazy we won't get the the oasf oafc board will not tell oasf everything 
right? That that's another that's another thing. Regardless of what we do, we can't unless we've got more clout within OASF, OFC as an organization, we're not going to be privy to, to certain information. And that's just a fact. So to think that we can get all the answers out on a podcast or on a, or a video interview is, is delusional, first of all. So, but that doesn't mean that we can't get more information. And the only way we can get more information and more honesty in private with um, between the board of OASF and the board of OAFC is by building trust and conducting ourselves in the right way. And when we have meetings, that meet, uh, information stays confidential, doesn't end up on social media, and doesn't end up you know, being chatted about you know, within friend groups and stuff like that. We worked so hard over this last two years as a podcast and as a trust and with PTB to, 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 to keep information that we had amongst ourselves. Trust and professionalism is really, really important. So, you know, there's a difference between getting people on to these platforms and and, and dealing with them in, in a professional capacity. Yeah. Um, there's, there's also, I mean, I'm obviously not part of trust like you, but it's been interesting to see some people um, on in social media environments asking questions about how much money is in this? How much money uh, has been raised from the uh, lottery? And so, some of these people that are asking these questions are former directors of the trust that have clearly yeah. got some sort of agenda going on. We got um, an email off a former director of the trust as well asking similar questions. So it's so it's funny how you can link all of these people together. These people, some of which were bad actors. Um, uh, it, it's it, we, we need to rid ourselves of all this, don't we? Um, yeah, because it, because some of these some of these people. You know, what, what was it like when you were working in, in the club as a director trying to do things for the best, Richard, when you had maybe some people who you knew weren't doing things that were, were always in the club's best interest? There's a lot of parallels to what you're talking about now and what you're experiencing because, or particularly yourself, Matt, because, you know, you've got to be professional and that, you know, people used to say to me, well, why don't you uh, expose some of this? Why don't you come out on social media and tell everyone what's really going on? And because I knew that as soon as I did that, I would lose any trust I'd built up and they'd, they'd throw me off the board. So you have to decide whether you're willing to work from within and try and improve things over time or as soon as you be disruptive and, and, and lose lose any sort of trust, then you're going to have to leave anyway. So you've lost the opportunity to make any difference. So the only reason I, the reason I left at the end was it just got to the stage that clearly nothing was ever going to change. There's always that little chink of light sometimes where you think, oh, maybe I'm making a bit of a an, in, an impression here. Maybe there's a change coming. Maybe they are listening, but it just didn't happen. It wasn't going to happen in hindsight. But um, yeah, there's always, you know, it's, You've got to build relationships, whether you're in the corporate world, whether personal um, relationship building is a massive part of it. And you can't just be openly criticizing people left, right and center and then turn and go, oh, should we uh, should we have a meeting and, and discuss this? You know, it, the backs will be up and there. And from a cultural perspective, you have to judge, you know, where people are coming from. And it just wasn't the environment to be able to have open open arguments with people and to be able to and to go behind people's back because that wasn't the way they worked so you know anybody who did that was then not going to be part of the inner circle yeah i think i think the thing i think the the, the parallels between oasf and oafc you know the, and, and football in general people come into football uh, football clubs and being in and around football for their own reasons, right? For their own gain. It happens all the time. You, you, you get that all the time. And people latch, you know, we, we, we've been very critical of, of, of a certain, you know, former chair of, of OASF for being, and OAFC, for not, not chair, but, you know, board member, of being in it for, for themselves, right? And as soon as you think that you become bigger than the organisation that you represent, it's time to go. It, it, it's not about you. It's not about me. I've said this to the board members of OSF. If, if, if I ever start doing and behaving in ways which are um, detrimental to OASF, then I have to go and I'll resign myself. You know what I mean? It's because I have a responsibility to the other members on, on my board to make life easier 
uh, for, to live it life easy for them and make the you know uh, and, and do things the right way, build build something the right way. And it's the same for the for the board of the club. It's the same for all of us. We all have that same position of responsibility. Um, and yeah, it's really really important. And 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 this weekend has just been been a bit. <sighs> with it all um, because people seem to be expecting more from us in terms of what not more not that they expect more but they expect the wrong things from us um as a board i think that we've got to change this mindset we're not what 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 happened in the past with the previous regime and 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 being so um focused on trying to get rid of them and trying to have influence that's not the way it should normally be that <laughs> they were extreme no. circumstances that is not we have to switch the mindset from um, from OSF being that to being uh, something that is integral to the development and 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 building. And if things go wrong, and being watchful, but and if things go really wrong within the football club, then being in a position to challenge it. But the, we have to build relationships first, and I, I can't I can't stress that anymore. It's it's really I think, me off I think we should get Mick Rathbone on. Uh, and pick one of the two more, more vociferous uh, negative voices. Get them on a podcast and let Mick just like school them. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But get- I think this whole thing about psychology and 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 and, and all that and mentality and emotion—it's really interesting. And I think if, I think if we we can tackle it. I, I do want to tackle it on the podcast. I do. I, I reached out to a somebody who's a professor and an Oldham fan uh, about psychology, but he didn't want to come on the podcast, said it wasn't really his thing, uh, which was a bit disappointed about, but fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's, it's you know, bringing the whole thing together, fans, supporters, foundations. You know, we represent all fans as a sports foundation. We don't just represent the ones who are very vocal and who want things. To, you know, we have to represent everybody. We have to take everybody's feelings into account, and that needs to be remembered as well. I do do yeah. quite a bit of cultural work um, in my in my corporate life, and um, we did talk about that at the time. So it's saying, come, can we bring somebody in to look at the culture of the club and and do some do some work on that specifically? Because it was always clear that whatever happens from top to bottom pass through to the players, uh, and you can't you can't divorce it, you know. And so this idea that oh, it doesn't matter what's going on, you know, the players should be able to go out on a Saturday and perform, you know, it's cl- that's clearly not the case. And you hear ex-players saying all the time, oh, the atmosphere wasn't right at the club and it affected things. And and it really feels like now it's getting better. But unless we can, unless we can transmit that to the players in some way and give them some confidence that, you know, I suppose at what point in this season do we start to panic because we're, we're close to going down? Um and it, you know the pressure's only going to build. So it's that mm. what are what are our tactics over the next few months, critical Christmas period, January, to to insulate the players from what's going to be a really difficult time, and and um, how how are the team going to deal with that situation? You know, and it's it's really complex. I think I, I yeah, but the, the, the culture thing yeah. is is something we talked about before. It's absolutely you. you the leaders in an organisation, so the senior senior board of a business and, and the people that own it, they set they set the tone. People will mimic their behaviour to a certain degree throughout the organisation. So you can see how in prior incarnations and and um, ownership models at, at Latics, we were always destined to not succeed because the structure and the and the sort of ethos was never right. And so this is the point that I come back to every time is because everything is being put in place now by the owners and the board of directors for the future that they're making they're making adjustments now to the structure the infrastructure that will benefit us in three to five ten years time you know it will turn it, it just will it cannot it cannot fail in some degree to be a success i mean you, you'll have bumps in the road during that success but over the, a long period of time the trajectory is going to be one of that's a positive one so you know that's going to take effect. You've just got to therefore give it time because everything is being done. And the, the other thing is lots of people a few weeks ago were screaming about, oh, um, Frank needs to get his checkbook out and sign some players. He's signed an entire squad of players since then. <laughs> and we've still not got better yet. So, you know, it, it isn't necessarily just about signing as many players as we can. We might be trying to sign two more this week. It, it is about getting a squad of players together, like you said before, Richard, which... Uh, which which stick together for a, a significant period of time, 
three or four players <clears throat> that Solihull have got that know the league. We need the same, and that's that's not going to happen overnight. It doesn't matter how many, you know, how many players we throw at it, or how many coaches that we decide to have, or how many managers we decide to fire. <laughs> but if like you know, people say like you know, people want like you know, so we interview Darren Raw, we interview um, David Unsworth. People say, well, you asked, the, you should have asked this, you should have asked that. Right? Okay, fine. We have different opinions, blah blah, whatever. So we have a fans forum, right? We have a fans forum in the OEC and we have um, Darren Royal there and David Unsworth uh, and Liam Hogan and, uh, you know, some more on the board. And then the usual fans, you know, that would turn up to something like this, turn up to something like this. And then what? Do they do they then start, if they're not getting the answers that they want, do they start shouting and, and, and getting mouthy? Like, like and, and then we have another Ryan Cricket Club and then... You know, we have the, you know, like there has to be like that. <laughs> what what good does that do? We, you know, if, if we have a fans forum, we have, when we give that opportunity or the club give that opportunity and we facilitate something like that, fans that, that turn up need to conduct themselves in a way that is going to be constructive and not going to be that same kind of finger pointing and aggression. And, 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 and uh, that ultimately, you know, <laughs> it, it didn't, it, it, I mean, <laughs> God, I mean, we don't know where to start with the last. Were you on the board when when the last funds when that funds forum happened? Richard? Yeah, Richard, Richard, Richard was sat on the top table. Yeah, you were there, were you? Yeah, I yeah. was on it. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I mean, God, from, from tell us a little bit about how what the feeling was like amongst the cl- in the club after that experience. Then, because a lot, I mean, there'd be people who would say, well, we like that this time, but I mean, with the, with the way that people are reacting, it seems like it wouldn't be that different um, from a lot of people. It took a lot of persuasion to get that to happen. And, and I was part of that and a few others. And we were saying, we've got to speak to the fans. We've got to, you know, we've got to get out there and communicate in some way. Unfortunately, it just proved what uh, the management team had always felt that, Whatever they said, they were going to get battered. Um, there was no two-way process. It was just, and unfortunately, what it also confirmed is that, um, you know, the answers weren't sufficient. It was defensive. It was yeah. so. It, it just went. It was never going to work, unfortunately. But we had to give it a try. I think. Look, every every club does uh, fan forums, don't they? I think it's going to sound a bit patronizing this but what we have to think of at Oldham and what I keep um, reflecting on is how lucky we are really to have a fan base that we've got because again parallels with Solly Olmores or other clubs who are doing okay in the National League they can pump millions and millions into that club and it's a very wealthy area Solly Hall but they just don't get fans going you know what I mean even when they're doing well they're up at the top of the table they don't get you can't you can't buy fans and Notts County and ourselves and Wrexham and, you know, with big clubs, with good fan bases. And that's the one thing you can't generate from scratch. Mm-hmm. So you can put all the stuff in place that we're talking about, about the right culture and the right background and the right, but you're not going to invent a set of fans. So that's one of our real strengths that we've got, you know, and, um, I tell people how many fans go away, you know, who don't really follow foot and like flip that many fans go away to watch Oldham, you know, and you know, it's um so you've got you've got the negatives that come with it that we've been talking about, but it's a massive positive for Oldham and, and we've got to find a way of, of using it to our advantage because some of these other clubs will never have that advantage. Yeah. Agreed, and our and our fans are fantastic, and it's. I think the problem with social media is it, it create it, it creates a, a very very small kind of microcosm of certain types of 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 of, of characters and certain types of, of attitudes, and and it amplifies it, doesn't it? Um, and 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 you know, a lot of the people that I look at some of the tweets, I meet them, in, <laughs> I mean, I like them, and I disagree with them on Twitter, and I, and when I talk to them, I get on with them, and they're, they're good people, and you know, it's just. I think all these things matter. I think everything matters. For a club like Oldham in the situation that we're in, everything matters. Doing all the little things the right way. The, 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 you know, like you said, creating the environment to take the pressure off the players. Putting pressure on the players over this Christmas period is not going to make them perform any better. Um, and as difficult as it is for fans, 
we have to have a think about that, don't we? Well, how can we as uh, how can we try and create? And, and people, <laughs> we turn around and say, "Well, we created fantastic atmospheres at Boundary Park this year and struggled, <laughs> lost games we should have won." It's really hard. I'm not saying I don't have the answer. I don't have all the solutions, um, but um, you know, a good atmosphere at a game doesn't necessarily translate to a home win. I think I think as was it's it, part of that is just. Is just I don't, know, I don't want to say keep the faith because that kind of feels a bit worn out at this stage. But you know, like it's it's it's, it's that it, horrible it's... phrase, isn't it? Psychological safety that they use in you know in business terminology now. But it is that feeling that they're not going to be battered for everything that goes wrong on the pitch yeah. because then then they stop doing things, then they won't try, then they'll play an easy pass and and it's just those little things where. You know they're fearful of getting the ball and doing something wrong rather than doing something positive. Mm. Yeah, mm. just just think though when it does turn because it will, how good it's going to be. It's going to be ace, isn't it? Because there's going to be there's going to be shitloads of us on on away terraces when we start pumping everybody and and finding ourselves at the top of this league. We're going to have massive followings. The atmosphere is going to be like a carnival. It's going to be absolutely mint. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> I sincerely hope we don't have to suffer another allegation in in between, Andy. That's that's the only thing that I'm that I'm worried about. You know, like um, it, it, I think from I, what I, I, I saw yesterday, let's have a positive. I think from what yeah. I saw yesterday, Solihull are a good side. We weren't, you know, we had a bad period. I'm sure we can beat most of the sides around us and avoid relegation. We just have to get on a bit of a run, get a bit of positivity. We've got enough players in now. Alex Reed looks like he's got something about him. He obviously had a lot of beef with the Solihull players, and there was all you know. I thought there was going to be a couple of red cards in that game yesterday. Unfortunately, they scored so early in the second half that it sort of took the pressure off them, and the beef went out of the game a little bit. But there was mm-hmm. building up to half time. It was like this is going to be a three or four red card game. This one, it was getting really niggly. Um, so I do think we've probably got enough if we can strengthen midfield up then I think we'll win enough games to survive and then as you say it's about building then yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with that I think that'll happen right let's let's change the subject Matt we've got uh, like 10 minutes or so left uh, so we've got Latics Mind we can do we're going to do it live oh yeah yes yeah, yes absolutely uh, yeah. before before we do that though have you seen um, so the streaming um, for the National League details have been announced this week haven't they so uh, streaming is yeah. going to start I'm going to do a bit of research into some of this because I find some of the content interesting. But they've announced that um, of the money raised through games that are streamed, 15% of it is retained by the league for investment. 25% of it is distributed across the 72 clubs that make up the National League pyramid. So that's basically National League North, National League South, and and National League, the National League. Mm -hmm. So all 72 clubs get 25% which means the remaining 60% goes to the director of the club that with which you have an affiliation. Now, I, I followed this story a little bit because, as you might know, I'm a bit of a sort of... A, I'm a bit of a, I quite like Andy Holt at Accrington. I think he talks mm-hmm. an enormous amount of sense. I quite like to interview him, actually, at some stage because I think he'd be really interesting to have a chat to about running the club. But the, the thing that's irritating about this is... Um, I'll give you an example. So uh, apparently the EFL games were streamed yesterday because they were all early kickoff because of the um, because of the World Cup. So Oxford took three hundred about three hundred and forty fans to um, Accrington Stanley, and their average away attendance is pushing a thousand typically. So they took significantly less. I know it's a morning game, but because the streaming was on, um, the suggestion is that that the streaming affects the number of fans that travel away. What happens is. Um, uh, Accrington Stanley only get a certain amount of that money and then the rest of it goes to Oxford. So if they'd all turned up, Accrington would keep the money. Mm-hmm. If they don't turn up, the away team keeps some of the money. And why, where, the, where that benefits people especially is when you play in big clubs. So if Sheffield Wednesday could sell 6,000 tickets to watch at Accrington, Accrington will get 500 of them and then 5,500 go to Sheffield Wednesday. It's, it's really, really, really unfair so the streaming policy in the National League that Wrexham have demanded is going to benefit, perversely, it will benefit the likes of Wrexham, us, Notts County and Chesterfield before it will benefit teams like Solihull and everything else. So whilst a, whilst a big fish in a, in, a, in a small pond will do all right out of it proportionately, there'll come a stage where we won't. And I just think that 
that it needs discussing in a bit more detail here. And I quite like to know what what the you know what the owners of our business think about it or our club think about it because it is completely unfair and unreasonable. And and this goes back to once upon a time. I do know I, I can't remember the year. I'll try and find it out. I think it was in the seventies. All gate receipts were shared um, equally between home and away clubs. But the big clubs didn't want that, of course, because they had more fans, so they wanted to keep more of it. So it moved to 100% of gate receipts being kept for home teams um, in league fixtures. The cup fixtures are different. So that obviously benefited the big clubs. Now, if that's the case, then, of course, streaming away tickets sold to, to, for streaming games should go to the home club. But, of course, the big clubs don't want that, do they? So they mm. want it both ways. It's yeah. so unbelievably bent, I can't mm. tell you. So, mm. anyway... That side, you know, we're going to be at stream games, which might benefit us for now. But I think that's a story that we we might want to follow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Well, we're going to have to do lattice mine now because otherwise we'll run out of time on there. And you know what happens? We hit an hour and the the electricity goes off. So here we go. Are you ready, Richard? You've got yes, seven, yeah. seven or eight to top the board. It's a big, it's a big score. It's from day one, right? I'm going to start the music. Are you ready, Andy? Yeah. Right. Best of luck. What weekly prize draw did Latix launch in the mid-1980s as a way of tapping into the premium bond craze? Oh, was it Golden Goal? No, it was, it was the Blue Bond Club. Uh, where was the 1913 FA Cup semi-final against Aston Villa played? Oof. Old Trafford. Wrong, it was Ewood Park. Which oh. Wrexham player scored four goals against us in 2005? Ah, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's not going well. I don't know that one. A pass, we'll come back to that. Okay, uh, against who did Roger Palmer equal the all-time scoring record against in 1989? Uh, Man City. Shrewsbury Town. Who <laughs> saved two penalties against Millwall in February 2017? Uh, Connor Ripley. Correct. Which former Wolves and Tranmere striker did Latic sign in the summer of 2015? Wolves and Tranmere striker. Uh... No, can't remember that one. Pass, we'll come back to that. Who was caretaker Latics manager between November 2021 and January 2022? I think you were on the board at the time. <laughs> caretaker manager, dear me. November to January. They, they went through them so quickly. Uh, who would that have been? No, go on. Selim Benachor. <laughs> oh, God, Selim, of course. <laughs> so you got... Uh, you got There's some niche got ones one, here. you got one right. I know, they're, they're, they are random. They are completely random. So you got one. <laughs> you got one right and two passes, I think. So one pass was the former Wolves and Tranmere striker that Latic signed in the summer of 2015 was Jake Cassidy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and was the was it the Wrexham player? The Wrexham player. Yeah, Wrexham. Yeah, Wrexham. Was Juan Ugarte. <laughs> Juan Ugarte. There's right. only one Juan Ugarte. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I got I got two. So you know, no. Yeah. Uh, no. I didn't no. threaten the leaderboard there. Yeah. No. No, <laughs> neither did I. Uh, but yeah, and well, well, thanks for taking part. Anyway, it's the taking part that counts. Um, course, as they yeah. say, it is now, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's tough, though, it is tough to be fair. 
Oh, well, that's an hour that's flown by, actually. We played plenty of rants. We covered plenty of uh, plenty of ground. There's always more that we can talk about. But thanks for coming on. Um, thanks Richard. for having me. Thank you very much. No, yeah. it's good to talk to you. Um, Andy, thanks for uh, being here, as always. Yeah. Uh, I'm, going to, <laughs> I'm going to Wood in the week. And I'm obviously, because it's an evening game, I haven't got my kids. So I might try and do a bit of fans only. We'll get on the get on the phone in on Wednesday. Let us know how it was. Give us give it get him get involved. Give us a give us a your debrief. It, it's it's often tricky to do in an evening when I, if I've got the kids to deal with and what have you. Um, but but I, if I kind of will, if not, I'll, I'll yeah. Do yeah. We can. yeah yeah. Well, let's hope that we. Look, I mean, we could do with um, Paul Prentergast here to answer this question. Actually, I'm not sure when was the last time we got to Christmas without winning an away game. Um, I mean, obviously, we've had some terrible seasons in recent years, but it, 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 we were close to getting to that. Is this, is this the last league away game before Christmas? I think it is, um, because yeah. the next one is uh, Boxing Day at Notts County. Um, so we could really do with getting that monkey off our back before we go to there and get absolutely hammered by them. Uh, we, we get, if, you know, if we stay this this run of form when we go there, it's not going to be pleasant. So we need to be feeling a lot more confident by the time we get back, we get round to Notts County. So let's hope that the winning starts on um, Tuesday, and then we go into uh, Torquay and Gateshead. Uh, and oh, oh, we've got obviously we've got the huge. Uh, game against Peterborough Sports uh, as well in between on the 17th of December so uh, oh god the joys The Boundary Park Alert System is hosted and produced weekly by Matt Dean Andy Halliwell and Dave Bradley for QPod Productions a huge thank you goes to all those people who already subscribed to the podcast. We appreciate you all and thank you for helping us out. If you'd like to help us out, please visit oafcpodcast.co.uk and click support or find the link in the show notes. It's only $2.99 a month and we'll draw a subscriber at random every month to win an Autumn Athletics shirt of your choice. Please follow and interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at OAFC Podcast and subscribe to youtube.com forward slash the Boundary Park Alert System where you will find the Latics Football Phony with myself and Dave Bradley live every Wednesday from 8.30 till 9.30pm. We'd like to thank Arlene Finnegan for writing our excellent weekly blog, which we encourage you to read on our website every Saturday morning. Thanks also go to Paul Prentergast for providing us with all the Latics Mind questions. The title music for the show is by Manchester DJ and producer Starion. And for more information, visit bandcamp.com forward slash red laser records. You can help change the game by listening to us on the Fan Hub app along with all major podcast platforms. But please like, subscribe and review the pod to help us climb the rankings and to gain more listeners. OASF.co.uk and pushtheboundary.co.uk are where you'll find out more information about our official FSA affiliated supporter groups and continue to raise money for the 1895 fund. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to be a guest or contribute to the show, we'd love to hear from you. 